The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host. Thank you for joining us today. I'm very glad that you are listening, and thank you so much for posting on our Spirit of Recovery page, for liking the Spirit of Recovery page on Facebook, and thank you for letting your friends and the people in your recovery community, your unity community, your other spiritual communities, your family, your friends, know about what we're doing here on Spirit of Recovery It's great to be broadcasting on the topic of recovery and spirituality here on UnityOnlineRadio.org. And I want to also thank you for sending me emails and letting me know what's happening for you and that what we're doing here, that the guests that I bring are really making a difference for you, that they're touching your heart, blessing you, giving you new ideas, new inspiration, new insights about this beautiful, wonderful life of recovery. Every week we talk about topics that are important to the recovery community with guests who are down-to-earth, knowledgeable, and innovative. They're people who are either in recovery themselves or who work with or write for recovering people, and sometimes all of the above. And the guests are bringing practical information that you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking. You know, you can listen to Spirit of Recovery in a variety of ways. You can listen live via your computer, via your smart device. You can also listen uh, to On Demand. We've got lots of great archived programs. Just go to unityonlineradio.org slash program slash Spirit of Recovery, and you can find lots of wonderful um, programs that are filled with inspiration and information and encouragement. Also, I want you to know that if you like what's happening on Spirit of Recovery and also the other great programs on Unity Online Radio, and if you feel so moved, you can financially support Unity Online Radio. It is a nonprofit operation, and you can make a one-time or recurring financial gift. You can do that very easily by texting Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone and uh, your program, your contributions go to support um, the, all the great programs on Unity Online Radio. 
I want you to know that Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place so that if you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction or if you're the family member or friend of somebody that's got the disease of addiction, um, maybe you're a family member or friend that's in your own recovery as a family member or friend, um, or maybe you're not, or maybe your loved one is or isn't in recovery. Maybe you're just curious about the process of recovery. Whatever your situation, we're just so glad that you're listening. You're welcome here. Welcome to participate in the discussions if you've got a comment or a question on the topic for my guest. And um, we just, again, are delighted that you're here and um, know that you're welcome. Again, Again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a unity minister, and I'm also an addictions counselor. I'm a person who has in my own circle of love and friendship many people with the disease of addiction. And uh, this uh, just less in May, 34 years ago, those relationships got me started on an active path of personal growth and spiritual development. And ever since then, my walk has been an integration of unity and recovery principles. And that walk keeps transforming my life in rich, wonderful ways and keeps me growing. And so I am very grateful, very delighted to have the opportunity to share these ideas with you, to bring you great guests, and to hear what you're experiencing in your spirituality and recovery walk. My guest today is a person who has been with us before, and he's got lots of great um, inspiration and experience to share with us about the process of recovery. My guest is Richard C., He's a person in long-term recovery. Uh, Richard's been in recovery since 1974. And uh, as you'll hear today, his recovery program includes uh, various various facets. And uh, in all those ways, he really learns and keeps growing. And so he's going to be sharing with us today about the topic of passion and persistence equals the power to flourish. You know, all of us want the power to flourish in recovery. We want to be able to be ourselves, to fulfill our deepest purpose. And to do that, we uh, need to find our alignment with our innate spiritual power and engage in life with passion and persist, even and especially when the going gets rough. And um, as I said, Richard has long-term recovery. He has persisted and continues to persist in exploring his own life in deeper ways. And he's going to be sharing with us about he how he finds fulfillment um, in following his calling and in deepening his relationships with people in his life. And it's a fulfillment that he didn't know was possible. Richard is a Unity student, and he is also a teacher of Tai Chi and Qigong. He's a blogger, and he is a spiritual retreat leader. He has taught Unity classes. Richard retired uh, from over 25 years in the Navy and 17 years with the Postal Service. And he is also a blogger, and you can find his blog at isthermorethanthesteps.blogspot.com. So, Richard, welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. Thank you, Anna. It's a privilege to be back. Glad you're here. So, it's, Richard, it's a warm ahead. and be- it's, a war- it's a warm and beautiful day here in the slice of paradise, Port Charlotte, Florida. All right. Good deal. Yay. Yeah. Seeing the sunny skies and all that good. So, Richard, you um, tell us what keeps you what keeps you in recovery. You've been in recovery starting in 1970 
four, I believe. So sometimes people think, eh, you know, it gets to be old hat, whatever. But I know that's not true for you at all. So what keeps your recovery interesting to you? What keeps it vital? Well, thank you, Anna. And just for today, I agree with you. It's it's not the amp, but there have been times in my time in recovery that I was in that mode of thinking, like, "What am I doing here? You know, why me? You know, what's this all about? Uh, I don't like this, and I don't want to be that." And and the, that inner voice that was that kept me crippled for so many years uh, started getting louder again. It's like, wait a minute, you know got to do something here. I mean, this is not right. You don't just walk out of recovery one moment and start doing something else. I've done that through uh, my recovery period. Although I've never succumbed to my to my addiction, but my thinking uh, and my emotions kind of sure took some real hits along the way there. So, and, and I think that's part of what we want to talk about today. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I remember back early in recovery, when uh, my sponsors uh, in, in both uh, recovery programs, one for the family and one for myself, um, they would say things like, wow, that's a real flash of brilliance there, you know, and, and obviously they're talking about me, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it's like, what are they talking about? I didn't have any idea what they were talking about. But they, what they were trying to say was I actually had touched the truth within me, although at that time I didn't know the truth from non-truth. I was just an addicted person trying to get well, and, and all that other stuff was, like, beyond my comprehension. So, um, But that flashes of brilliance that they were talking about, I come to find out is that place within me where I really liked the real me. I hadn't seen that person in 30 years, 35 years maybe. Mm-hmm. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, it would kind of bubble up. It's like there's a really neat guy in there that likes people and likes to help people and, and is trying to give to the world, and then all of a sudden disappear again. It's like, well, back to this addiction stuff again. I've got to work some more steps. I've got to do some more hard work. I've got to go to 139 meetings, blah, blah, blah. It's like, where did that person go? And uh, I think... Uh, through my childhood and through my teen and then my early adulthood, it just got buried with so much negative life that it was trying hard to surface and say, you know, the child of God that you were born as is still here and can be touched and can be raised if you'll just be diligent. And uh, I think that was the flash of brilliance. I think that was the beginning of the passion of me. The passion of me is, in fact, that which I love, that which I love to touch, and I love to, to portray to the world, and I love to know that God within me is bringing all that forth, that's passion. Mm-hmm. That's just my, my simple idea of what passion is. Right. Um, now, Richard, I'm going to back up a minute because you've, you've said several things here that I think a lot of people can probably relate to, and one of them is that sensation of what you're saying is that Sometimes, and this is again, you're in recovery, when you were in recovery, you'd feel like my true self is coming through, that part of me that's passionate, that part of me that likes people, that part of me that's constructive. But then it would seem like, you didn't use this word, but kind of like almost then it would get lost beneath the waves of 
negativity or whatever. So what's, what is that? What's going on? What are those ways? And you said that, well, you thought it was old negativity from, you know, past experience and whatever. But, but what is that? I think everybody feels that, that kind of I, I surface and then I vanish or something. And So what is that and well, how do you move through it? I, I think most of us uh, in recovery, or at least in the long-term recovery, and particularly in the consciousness movements of unity and, and our, our, our look-alike uh, philosophies of divine science, religious science, I think we all understand that that's the divinity of me. That's the, the Christ-centeredness. That's the little spirit of me that I was born with. And I used to portray uh, for my young years. And then the world of negativity started burying in that, and my own negative thinking and the negative atmosphere that I, I come from a broken alcoholic family and, and uh, the life that I was living on the streets, uh, you know, all that stuff started burying that divine spirit. And it was just layered over so many times that when I came to recovery and started removing those layers by using the premises of the 12 steps and a sponsor, all of a sudden, the, that little divine spirit was able to break through and say, I'm still here, and boy, I'm a pretty good old person. And then the negativity would settle in again. It's, it's you're right, under the waves, like a, uh, like a tidal action, I think, uh, like a good tidal action. It goes out and it comes in, it goes out and it comes in, and you mm-hmm. see something, and then it's gone, you see it again, it's gone. And I think that's little flashes of brilliance that say, this is what you can be, this is what you really are, this is what you're searching for. This is the real you. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think we recognize that. In how, however brief it shows up, I think we recognize it. Mm-hmm. And it, it sound, talk some more about the what sometimes, you know, it feels like we, sometimes it can be hard to want to wanna even try to get it to keep coming back out. So what is it that kept drawing you? To, to keep letting that divine self come forward. How did that happen instead of you, the next time the wave came over, just saying, eh, who cares, and just letting the wave take it? What kept you and keeps you still having that divine self moving forward and coming out more fully? Well, I, I have two things to share with you there. I was, I was in, in a recovery meeting the other night, and a young person who was going through this emotionality of early recovery was describing how they thought they had the right to be their own person and is it okay to do what I need to do? And then they started describing how they were, they thought that they were being asked to be oppressed and no, you can't do that and no, you can't be that way. And whether that's parents, bosses, jobs, society, something was oppressing. And I, I identified that with years ago when I saw these little flashes of brilliance, these, these little spirits that would come up and, and you actually recognize them, it's like, gosh, I wonder how much that could expand. You know, I kind of like that. And in my life in, in both recovery and unity, uh, I am a hugging person. I mean, even in my teaching, I, I hug as many people I can get my hands on. And there's a connection. You know, Thich uh, Han, the, the, uh, the Nobel uh, prize-winning monk from uh, Plum Village outside of Paris who, mm-hmm. who brokered the peace accords, he structured a one cycle of life meditation. And this requires us to, when we see a person and we want to greet them, 
that we hug them and we hold them for one breath in and one breath out, that's an entire cycle of your life. That's one cycle of life, and you have just shared that with another human being. And that's what has kept me going pretty much all in my entire uh, recovered life. The connection of other people in unity, the connection of other people in recovery, the connection of people on the street, in my job, in my family, the love that they display by just wanting to hug you, that, that's kept me going over everything. Wow. Uh-huh. It's very yeah. powerful. It's very powerful. Uh-huh. It is. Yeah, and, and that, like you're saying, it's essential. It's that, how is it that God is in the midst of that, or how would you phrase that? What's the spirituality of that, Richard? I think it's uh, encapsulated in the, in the Hindi word namaste. The, the spirit of me, deep within me, recognizes the spirit within you. There's a gentleman who's now deceased. He has no anonymity, but uh, and, and uh, I'll use his name from. He was from Olympica, Maryland. Jerry Kelly. Jerry Kelly was a gruff, rough, tough, uh, doc drinking, drunken sot that got uh, recovered, and he had this look on him like you wanted to run from. But he would walk up and say hi, and he'd give you a hug, and you you would think I have just been hugged by God. Your skin would tingle, your hair would stand up, and he would just smile and walk away. Hmm. It was the God within him that he knew he was seeing the God within me. He knew that. He didn't think it. He didn't do anything but know deep within his heart that it's God within God. Namaste. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's how well, I understand yeah. it. Then. Yeah, makes sense. It's, and it's like you said, that that connection, we need each other so much. And at that level, at that deep level, at that God level, it's what, what energizes us and helps us well, know we are all one. Mm-hmm. We are all one. And, and you know, in, in the, the teachings of, of unity, that this substance, the substance of God that we live, move, and have our being in, you know, it's just making a higher connection uh, when we touch people, either verbally or physically, when we, or even through thought. When we touch people, we've just increased our power. And if we're persistent at that, and if we have a passion for that, our power increases. And, uh, the, I mean, that's something we'll talk a little bit later, but that's how, I think that's exactly how it works. But I have to touch the spirit within me to get that going. And in the early, early days of, of recovery, that, that wasn't easy. Uh, I, I can remember seeing that little flash of brilliance and liking that person and going, oh, gosh, I don't know if I'm allowed to do that. I don't know if it's going to be okay. I don't know if people are going to like it. I'm kind of afraid to let that person step out there, you know, because I had built a persona as an addicted person. I was in the Navy at the time, and the United States Navy had a picture of me, and they had a snapshot of me. And I had to live up to that. I had to be that to be effective. Well, if all of a sudden this nice, loving, kind persona comes out, it's like, what's the Navy going to think about that? Mm-hmm. I, was, I was afraid of that. For sure. Hold on to that thought. It's time for our break. We'll come back to that. Listeners, stay with us. 
Our topic today is passion and persistence equal the power to flourish. We're talking about how you uh, find that passion and how you persist and live and to fulfill your life. My guest is Richard C., a person in long-term recovery since 1974, a Unity student and teacher, a teacher of Tai Chi and Qigong, and a blogger at isthermorethanthesteps.blogspot.com. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Unity Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one-time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support. You have a coach in your corner, a life coach that is. Like a coach in sports, a life coach can help you set clear goals and develop the confidence and tools you need to achieve them. Join certified life coach Carla McClellan Tuesdays at 3 p.m. for Vibrant Living on Unity Online Radio. Each week, Coach Carla and her guests will share strategies and solutions designed to help make your life more focused, more meaningful, and more vibrant. Do you have a specific issue or topic you'd like to discuss with Coach Carla? Call in toll-free Tuesdays at 3 p.m. during Vibrant Living, Life Coaching with Carla. For listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus and her guest. If you have a question or comment or experience with today's topic that you'd like to share, call us now at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. Call now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unityonlineradio.org. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and I want to welcome you back. Our topic today, if you're just joining us, is passion and persistence equal the power to flourish, and we're talking about that, where we get that energy, that connection, that a sense of God's presence in our lives. How do we persist with that to go forward and fulfill our lives? My guest is Richard C., and he's a person in long-term recovery, a unity student, a teacher of Tai Chi and Qigong, and a blogger at uh, is there more than the steps.blogspot.com. And uh, we'll continue our conversation in just a moment. Before that, I invite you to join me in a brief moment of meditation, of making that conscious contact with your higher power as you understand that higher power. Join me in the Serenity Minute. I invite you to relax, to notice that relaxation, that peacefulness, that presence that is God in the very midst of you as you gently relax and allow yourself to let go and let God and find that presence of God that is who you are. Be present in your body temple, perhaps be aware of your breath, and now share with me this constructive idea. 
the God presence in me shines forth with passion. The God presence in me shines forth with passion and joy. And now we take a moment in the quiet. friends for joining me in the Serenity Minute and I trust that you found some relaxation, peace of mind and that conscious contact with your higher power. And now I invite you to be fully present, fully awake and I'm back to my conversation with my guest Richard C. We're talking about patience and persistence equal the power to flourish. So Richard, before the break, we were uh, you talking about that idea of um, change and that idea of letting your passion come out. And you were talking about how when you first uh, got into recovery, you were in the Navy and not sure how they were going to react. They had a certain picture of you. And if in your recovering self, if you changed, how is that going to be? So tell, tell us some more about that. What's the about visibility and and finding that passion, being your true self and and. What scares us about that? Thank you, Anna. And, uh, again, it's nice to be here with you. One of the things that I found out, and I found out the hard way, um, is when, when I was looking for trying to find the real me and trying to experience the passion and, and seeing that flash of brilliance every now and then, some of that can be false. Um, and I'll explain it this way. Up to two and a half years in this recovery program, I thought I had found my passion. I thought I had found myself, and, man, I put on my flowing golden robes, and I had my entourage behind me, and I was riding high. I mean, I was, a, I was the vocal source of, of wisdom, and I thought this was passion. And my sponsors were looking at me like, we're going to hold judgment. We're going to sit and watch this for a while. Well, ten and a half years, I started believing my own self again. And all of a sudden, I was back into the soup again. I was in so much trouble; it was beyond comprehension. I didn't. I never, as I said, I've never succumbed to my addiction. But mentally and spiritually, I have been to the other side and back. Mm-hmm. So, at ten and a half years, I had to go into a period of quietness, forced quietness. And you know, John writes about it, uh, experiencing the the uh, the dark side of the moon or the uh, Dark night after of the soul. we find God, yeah. Mm-hmm. After we find after we find God, uh, I had to go into about almost a year of quietness and find out what was the what was the where was the real person. And that flash of brilliance was there, but I was using it in the wrong manner. I was using it for the wrong things. And after about a year, it finally came to light that uh, that little uh, spirit within me was there to serve people not to serve myself. 
That's mm-hmm. what my problem was. I thought after so many years of being addicted and downtrodden, I was there to serve myself. And in essence, it took me 10 and a half years to find out I should be serving others and using all of the talents and all of the abilities uh, and all of my uniqueness uh, through the divinity within me to serve others. And through that service, through that service, the passion of helping people and the passion of bringing goodness to other people was going to, in fact, turn out to be the power that I so much wanted to be. I wanted to be a powerful force in the universe. I wanted to be a powerful voice for God. I wanted to be able to help people. That's power. Right. But I was going at it the wrong way. I was serving myself and not others. Okay, I got, so I got I two. Almost, pardon me? I got, I got two questions for you then, Richard. The first right. one is what do you mean by a year of quietness? Did you go off in a cave and sit in meditation for a year? What do you mean by a year of quietness? Tell us how you did that. Well, after uh, the dust settled of my fall from grace, the United States Navy took uh, took the time to say, Chief, you need to go there, sit in that corner, and just be quiet for a while. We'll see what we're going to do with you. And my, my sponsor at the time said, uh, stick close to me. We'll see what happens. So every place I went with a sponsor, I would start to open my mouth or others would open my mouth and they'd say, no, he really doesn't want to share tonight. And for almost a year, I didn't say nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we talked a lot. We meditated a lot. We went inside a lot. We, I learned what it is to be quiet and be quiet with myself, to like myself when I was being quiet. All those aberrant voices were starting to go away. The negativity, the, the blackness inside started becoming light, only because... Um, I finally figured out I didn't want to just serve myself. I wanted to serve others. So I would practice helping people in my head. And, but I never, I, never, I never did anything about it for a year because my, my mentors were all saying, be quiet, just go within and be quiet. And I did. What was challenging uh, about that for you was, was when you first started that, was it um, upsetting? Did feelings come up that concerned you or what was it like when you, especially when you first started that, and how did it change over time? This being quiet. In the beginning, I did it because I was being forced by fear. I I had I had come to odds with the United States Navy, and we were in negotiations for whether I was going to go to Leavenworth or not. And mm-hmm. uh, I was scared. I mean, I was absolutely frightened to death. I did. I never succumbed to my addiction, but man, I'm telling you. Emotionally and spiritually, I was out of it. So for the first couple of months, I kept my mouth shut. I kept my tail down, my head down, simply out of absolute downtrodden fear. And the more and more I quiet, I got quiet, the more and more those voices of egotism and, and negativity started quieting, the little flashes of brilliance started getting brighter again. And I could hear them every now and then. I'd hear them a little bit more. That gave me the hope that I was going to be okay. Didn't know how, didn't know when and where, but I was going to be okay. And my sponsors cautioned me, you know, just be quiet. Just listen inside. That's all you need to do. And these were people who were early Unity members. These were people who had come into Unity in the 40s and the 50s. And they knew what prayer and meditation was all about. 
and they applied it in their recovery programs. They, they absolutely were open and unabashed about bringing the unity principles into recovery, such as Jack Bowen. I mean, a great, late, great Jack Bowen. So, mm-hmm. uh, but I, in, in the beginning, it was through absolute abject fear, and then it was through hope, and then it was through faith, and then in the at about the end of a year, it was through knowing. And I, for me today, still hold that as the highest spiritual quality that I can obtain, and it's knowing knowing that the God within me is everything, knowing that the God within you is everything, and that together it equals everything. Knowing is the highest spiritual value I seek today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You um, talk to my, that my other question to you, and thank you for um, telling us that and for, you know, explaining more and describing more what it means to, to be quiet and hear and and tell the difference between those uh, fear voices and the deeper self voices. So my other question is this: it may sound, sound a little goofy, but how can you tell the difference between serving yourself and others? Or what do you mean? Because you, you said the first ten years you had people around you. You maybe you thought you were saying wise things or whatever. I'm guessing you thought you were helping people. I don't know. How is that different from what you came to in your understanding of of really helping people? I think it's an. I think once again, it's an inside job. What in in my early years in this in this this program, I'm just coming to to recovery. Uh, when I had a moment to be quiet or a moment to be by myself, I, I you know, and you kind of look inside. It's like you're just taking a rest. It's not because you're resting. You're just taking a rest. And when you hear other people speak to you and at you and about you you become really pumped up and feel really great about that. Look at me. Look at I, you know. Maybe you don't overtly go out there and try and do things to get noticed, but when you get noticed, it really pumps you up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all of a sudden, then, they don't even have to do that for you because you start pumping yourself up. Mm-hmm. You know, I did this, and I did that, and I'm going to do this, and I will do that, and I will help you, and I will do that. The the I in that is the little I. It's not the great I. It's not the God within. That's the little boy. The aberrant mm-hmm. little boy is out there again. So at ten and a half years, I was in charge, and I'll do it my way, and I'll do what I want to do, and I'll feel the way I want to feel, and the rest of the world can just... I really didn't care anymore. I was in charge. So uh, mm-hmm. at ten and a half years, the Navy said, "No, that's not true. You can't do things your way, and you can't break rules and break laws. And we're not going to let you. I don't care how good you are. You're not going to do that." So then, after a year of being quiet and learning what it's like to to want to help others and be the quiet one I am. All of a sudden, the feelings are different. <clears throat> the feelings are totally different. You feel satisfied. You feel confident. You feel soft. You feel loving. You feel compassionate. You feel understanding. Those are qualities I never really experienced in my life. Not so much from others either, but not certainly not from myself. Never mm-hmm. experienced those. So mm-hmm. at 14, 14 or so years in, in, in recovery, I just started getting it, just started to get it. Uh, and that's when the people who were in unity in, in, uh, 
and divine science started sharing with me how much deep meditation and prayer could do for me, especially through the 12 steps of recovery. And at, for the next five years, that's what I practiced. Uh, I tried to practice that as, as often as I could, and I, I reaped all the benefits. I grew inside. I, grew, I started maturing. I started growing. You know, at the age of 32, when I got into recovery, here I am 15 years later, 47, trying to grow up. You know, I was experiencing my teen years emotionally when my kids were experiencing it, and they kind of were telling me, hey, Dad, go get your own life. Leave ours alone, you know. Uh, it's, hard to, it's hard to grow up and mature, and mature at that age. Uh, so, you know, I had to do that. Right. And, you know, Richard, when you're saying this, a couple things stand out to me. One is that it took that time of being quiet for you to, to tell the difference between those outer, like you said, the little I voices and the real divine self I voices, the big I. And you've really done that. You have persisted in, as you're saying, in meditation, in prayer, and you found your passion through that. It's made all the difference. Absolutely. And that passion is the real me. And you know how prophetic this is, Anna. I didn't even know it, but at that period of my life, I, I really didn't know where I was going. I was coming up on retirement time, and uh, I, I had no idea what I was going to do. Uh, and I ended up here, retiring here in Florida, working for the U.S. Postal Service, and, and I enjoyed that. Um, and I continued along uh, trying to grow uh, again, trying to grow in this recovery program. And I hit that plateau again of like, well, kind of been there, done that. I've been there, done that. I've done all that, you know. It's like, uh uh-oh, the great I got little again. And there was a period of time when, even though, again, I never succumbed to my illness or to my addiction, but I succumbed to the illness. And Mm -hmm. at about, uh, see, 1993... I went through a complete dark night of the soul in my marriage, and I left the marriage of 29 years for I was once again slipping back into uh, my addiction. Uh, just the feelings and the spirituality and the emotionality of it. I was losing my passion again. People were saying, gosh, what's wrong? And, and I didn't think there was anything wrong. Gosh, what's wrong? I didn't think anything wrong. All of a sudden, people weren't calling me. All of a sudden, people weren't sitting around me. People didn't want to stand with me, and I thought, if I'm reflecting that, there's really something wrong with me. So I, I recognize that the 29-year marriage, it probably was about time to end it for I was going to end up in my addiction, and I, would, I had no desire to ever go back to my addiction, ever, under any circumstance. So I left that marriage and went through another year of quietness another year of sitting and trying to be quiet and think about what I needed to do to help people in life. And that has led me to where I am right now. I'm teaching people meditation. I'm letting them understand that everything they need is inside of them. I don't care whether coming if they're coming from cancer or addiction or uh, Alzheimer's or uh, Hodgkin's, it doesn't matter. It's all within them. Everything they're looking for is inside of them. And it took those two or three periods of, of slipping into uh, uh, the, the, the oblivion of addiction and illness and then coming out of that from within. It took that to get me to where I can tell other people now 
I don't care what you think your cancer is doing to you. You have the power within you to deal with it and, and have some, some belief in that and, and tell them with some authority, you know, here's what I've done. So it, it's, all, it's all a process. I didn't know it. I didn't realize what was going to happen, but each area of my life has been set up for the next one. Mm-hmm. I'm loving stuff. it. It is. You know, you, when you're telling uh, your your journey, it is. It's just amazing. It's it's like that you persisted through those times when it was so darkness and that you knew to, that what you needed to do was turn within and not to sort of head off out in some outer direction. That's amazing. Oh, absolutely. I don't care how insane I got. I don't care how crazy I got. I don't care what happens. I had to persist in one thing. I'll be okay. I right. can get through this. I'll be okay. And allow the grace of God to take over. It's the only thing one can do that I was able to do. And actually, it, 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 all, it, it worked itself out. It just worked itself. And hold, your, hold that thought. It's time for our break. The, we'll be right the back. The best is yet to come. Go ahead. It is. The best is yet to come because we want to hear about that and how that grace works. Stay with us. Our topic is passion and persistence equals the power to flourish. My guest is Richard C. And we'll be right back. Stay with us. I'm Dr. Tom Shepard, host of Let's Talk About It on Unity Online Radio. In my studies of world religions, I've repeatedly encountered two central spiritual questions. How do we make sense of life, and how do we live it more successfully? You're invited to explore these two questions with me in my new book, The Many Faces of Prayer, How the Human Family Meets Its Spiritual Needs. You'll be amazed at the remarkable ways people have learned to pray to their gods and to celebrate life individually and as communities of faith. Learn more at unitybooks.org. You're listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with your host, Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. And now, here's Anna. All right, we're back at Spirit of Recovery. Thank you for joining us. And if you're just joining us, our topic today is passion and persistence equals the power to flourish. And my guest is Richard C., a person in long-term recovery and a person who is a Unity student and a teacher of Tai Chi and Qigong. So, Richard, before the break, you were telling us about um, how 
you hung in there and you do hang in there when it's difficult. You go within and you find the grace of God. Tell us some more about that. Well, here we are back to the dark night of the soul. Again, John John writes about that. Only after we've come to know the God of our existence can we then go to the depths of the dark night of the soul. And uh, when I came to Unity in 1993 and started to grow by leaps and bounds, because I was ready to. I had been through these two forced quiet periods, and I had been I had put myself in the downtrodden mode. And uh, when I got to Unity, I sucked the, the the principles of Unity up like a sponge, and I was so blessed to have great great uh, prayer and meditation mentors uh, that taught me how to look within and to experience that and to touch that flash of brilliance, to touch that passion, and more importantly, to bring it out, to let it out, to let humanity see it, to take it to the individual that's, that is downtrodden and say, look, you know, you can, you, can, you can do this just by simply looking in. So yeah, I was ready to move on, and uh, I, had, I ended up retiring from the Postal Service and moving over here on the west coast of Florida to... The Punta Gorda, Port Charlotte area, and um, I had been exposed to Tai Chi and Qigong years, decades before, and my life just didn't allow it. The time was gone. I didn't have the, the uh, resources, <clears throat> and almost immediately, I bumped into a Chinese lady who turned out to be a Qigong and Tai Chi teacher, and she was my teacher. So I had three years with her, and she said, "You're going to teach old people." So she she did a lot of work with me how to work with the elderly. I mean, you know, I'm already elderly myself, you know. So uh, the last three or four years uh, in unity and in my recovery programs, I have tried to grow to the point of it's all passion, it's all persistence, it's all energy, and that energy is going to come out as your power. The energy within you, when you use it, to God's own good uh, reasons, it equals power. We look at the Marianne Williamsons, and we look at the Jack Bowens and the Tony Robbinses, and the Anna Schausses, and say, where are they getting that power from? What makes them such special people? How come they have the fervor? Where do they get that wisdom? That all comes from within, to the God within. And you guys touch that, and you guys bring that out. I'm trying to learn how to do that, and... Uh, one of the things I've looked for is how to bring some more healing into both my family and uh, the area. I have a daughter who's a cancer survivor, a breast cancer survivor, and uh, she's not perfect, and she's doing the best she can under the conditions. I would like to bring something to her, you know. And these people that I live around, and they teach in Tai Chi and Qigong, they all have enormous physical problems. And metaphysically, I know that their body was created to heal itself. I know that their body was created to take care of itself. And I have to find a way to impart that and be passionate about it. Well, through Tai Chi and Qigong, I'm able to do that. So mm-hmm. teach meditation. I do Qigong with them. I let them try and heal themselves. And I've been searching around for something. I, told, uh, I found that... Uh, there's a movement coming out of China uh, based on a uh, Chinese lady, Guo Lin, 
uh, who at, uh, in, in the 80s healed herself of cancer through absolutely no drugs, through simple um, manipulation of her own body energy and uh, some light, slight movement. It's known as Qigong. It's known as walking Qigong. And it's actually been named by the International Qigong Institute as Guolin Qigong, after her. But a master who's brought that to the United States with the Dr. Kevin Chen of the University of Maryland. And if anybody wants to read anything about this, I'll go through a minute of it. But just look in Google for uh, uh, Walking Qigong Cancer Retreat, and it'll pop up in Baltimore. And I have been so privileged that I'm going to get to go to this. And as a Qigong teacher, I'm going to be able to bring this back to this area. And hopefully uh, we can have some people that will help themselves, touch their own passion, realize that that passion is what's going to save their lives and make their life uh, have a quality that they'll enjoy. I hope to do that for my own family. And uh, I, I just think that just when I thought, can there be any more? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you and I have talked before, good is the enemy of the best. Mm -hmm. Just when I think things are good, just when I think things can't get any gooder, the best shows up. So, wow. I'm two feet off my, off my chair here, you know, all, all fired up with passion, Dana. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, it, it's wonderful. It's good stuff. And you know what you're saying there, Richard? It's about our lives are about finding that life within us. That it, That's what makes the quality of life go up, you know. And it's not, you know, the outer is going to be what it is. It's, sometimes I think we get caught up, and if people can't, quote, get physically the cure, then they didn't do it right. And that, and that doesn't work for me. But but it, But no matter what ends up happening on the outer – if we're dealing with illness or whatever situations, it's that inner quality of life always goes up when we do the work. You know, you as a minister I have the privilege of seeing people when you stand uh, up in front of you in the church, you see the light come on mm -hmm. and you recognize that somebody's alive in there. You know, it's a, I call it the Lazarus experience. They come walking into church and they're just emotionally and spiritually dead. And all of a sudden, one week, it's like, Boing, that flame goes on. It's like, wow, they're alive. I get to do that through Tai Chi and Qigong. After five, six you know, lessons, somebody will come up, put their arm around me and say, you know, I actually feel what you're talking about. And to me, that is the greatest singular thing I've ever heard in my life because that means that person is alive and believes in themselves to the point that they'll admit that they feel something powerful and positive within them. If they'll just persist, it'll be that power. So, you know, it, it's, it's just a great thing to see people come alive. Just come alive. Right. What do you do or what do you see happening for people we, uh, that does help them persist when it's difficult? Um, you do it. You have that innate pull. Sometimes, and you've talked about, too, making that connection with other people helps. What do you see in the people that you work with that's either in recovery or in uh, your Tai Chi students or Qigong students? How do you help them or persist when it gets hard? What do they need? 
Well, you know, the old, the old unity song uh, that we use, you, you can only achieve that which you believe. I believe. I mean, I believe to a depth. I use the word knowing. I know. There is no place within me that doesn't know that the spirit of life within me, the God of my understanding, is all, is everything. I know that. And it's that knowing that can go to the student or go to the sick one in the hospital or go to the friend or the daughter that's ailing and say, I know that the God within you is more powerful than what you're experiencing. And it's your belief, you know, that helps their unbelief. I, I, I do that I do that as much as I possibly can. And I have a couple of mentors, a couple of beautiful souls that when I get just a little bit off kilter, I go to them and they say, Let's talk let's talk about this in the quietness. And what they mean is we're gonna get quiet and meditate. And then they simply look at me and say, I know that the life within you is greater than anything you're experiencing right now. And at that point, it's okay. That word no is such a critical thing to my, my uh, continued development and happiness in life. I have to know, and I do know. It's that knowing, though, that helps generate sometimes excitement in other people. Sometimes they need to get excited. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about what knowing feels like. How is it different from, I guess, something more shallow or not as sturdy? How do you know? You know, it, one of the you know. earliest descriptions of knowing that I can remember, uh, I never was, uh, I was never taken to church. I was never churched as a child. Uh, but I did know the story of David and Goliath. And something in, in my little head clicked. When I heard the story of David and Goliath, some little guy walked out there with a slingshot and a rock and fell the giant. And something in my head said, this kid knew what he was doing. He, he wasn't afraid. He wasn't being overly uh, cocky. He wasn't being oppressive. He just went out there and did what he had to do. And at nine, about nine years old, I knew what David felt. He just had to do what he had to do. You know, when I was about 12 years old, uh, uh, I had to take, the, I had, I, I mean, I had to take down a kid in the neighborhood that was a bully. Now, he outweighed me by 90 pounds, you know, and he had took about two feet taller than me, but this kid was just bullying everybody. And I was only, you know, like 12 years old. But I took him down physically and told him that he can't bully people no more. Now, I was, you know, where did that come from? I knew. I knew that something had to be done. And I didn't really care for my safety. I really didn't care about anything. All I knew is this kid was hurting people. You know, and then my addiction, shortly after that, my addiction really kicked in, and I forgot all that. You know, I now was in survival mode for myself. I wasn't really worried about too many other people, as long as I was practicing my addiction. So when I came to recovery, that those flashes of brilliance can also be used synonymous with knowing. I know the right thing to do. I know the right thing that should happen. I know the right thing to say. I know the right me. That word knowing is absolutely crucial. And today, I know, I know that I love you, Anna Schaus, and there's nothing, <laughs> in, my, nothing in me that says anything different. And, and, of course, you understand what I'm saying. 
I do. It's that, yes, it's that sense of whole, to me, it's that sense of wholeness, and uh, it's all lined up. And yeah, it's everything's, in, everything's in perfect alignment in the universe. Mm-hmm. I say to my students, the universe is in alignment with the universe, and all is well. The universe being inside of us. Mm-hmm. And when you know that, then you know the right thing to say, you know the right thing to do, you know the right time to be quiet, you know the right time to say something. You know when to hold them, and you know when to fold them. You know when to walk, wait a minute. Is that yeah. Kenny Rogers? <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> but it's time for us to fold them here on Spirit of Recovery. And Richard, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I really do. I appreciate you uh, continuing to walk your walk and uh, persisting through those times when it's not been easy, but but re- but going within and reminding me and all of us that that's where it's at. Thank you for who you are, right. for what you do. Glad, so glad you're on the planet. It's wonderful. Glad you're here. Thanks for being my guest today. Bless you, Anna. Take take care and uh, tell Jeff that he is a great technician, and I bless him also. All right, we do. We bless Jeff, who is our engineer. And I want to thank all of you for listening today on Spirit of Recovery. Have a wonderful week. Be blessed. And we'll see you next week on Spirit of Recovery. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org. Does the idea of being a vegetarian or a vegan intrigue you? Is it something you've pondered? Listen each week as Victoria Moran, author of Main Street Vegan, shows you how to make the shift to a sustainable lifestyle for both you and the planet. Each week you'll learn about the latest on the vegan life. It's not just for celebrities and moguls, but for people just like you who want to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Guests will range from unity ministers to vegan authors, activists, physicians, chefs, and even some of those glittery celebs. There'll be recipes, ideas, tips for going vegan at your own pace, and ways to make a difference for animals and the planet at every meal. Tune in Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time for Main Street Vegan, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. According to an ancient Hindu teaching, if you can only speak the truth and tell no lies for 12 consecutive years, you can attain enlightenment. Resolve to be honest with yourself and others starting today. And after 4,383 days, you just may become enlightened. This meditative moment from Reverend Joan Gattuso and Unity Magazine is brought to you by Unity. Somewhere. 
tucked away in the Unity Library archives in Unity Village, Missouri, you can find a secret treasure. They are the scripts from Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore's early days on broadcast radio. The teachings of Unity's founders, almost a 100 years old. Now, for the first time in history, you can hear them through the power of the Internet. Join Bob Brock every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, for Unity Classic Radio, words from our past. Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore's talks and of other Unity Radio speakers read on the air again. Call in your comments and questions as Bob and his special guests revisit Unity Radio talks of the past, along with historical background from the early days of the Unity movement. That's Unity Classic Radio. Words from our past, every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Victoria Moran. Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, Lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work in your real life and our real world. Join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm. 